15 years old. Um, you'll, you might see her in one of the slideshows. She's on the ground coloring um, stars on um, uh, this person. Sh uh, she's tracing herself out on the ground. Uh, it was one of the crafts we had, but you might see her um, doing her little artwork. Um, but she was a really shy girl, um, and you could tell she really wanted to get to know us. Um, and it was really cool to see her open up as the week went on. Um, and it actually ended up being her birthday in the middle of the week. And it was really fun um, to sing happy birthday to her. Um, I got to braid her hair, and she loved that. Um, I also got to meet my prayer friend, um, and I also got to meet my sister's prayer friend. So Heidi and Daly were their names, and it was really cool to have a conversation with them, um, just get to meet them. It created this bond that I didn't have before. It, was, it felt like just writing letters to a person I didn't know, um, but now I had that connection with them. So that was a really, really cool experience. I would encourage you guys, if you have a sponsored child, just to go meet them. It's really, really cool. Um, <clears throat> I had a really cool experience um, when we went to um, Edgar's house, which was um, Joel's family's uh, sponsored kid. And um, they spoke Kekchi. Um, so we had different translators in the room. And um, as we began as we began praying, <coughs> we um, Joel started praying in English, and then we had a translator for Spanish, and then a translator for Kekchi, and the mother of Edgar began um, just praying very confidently in Kekchi. Um, so we had all of these languages going on at once, and it was an amazing experience. Just I had no idea what half of the languages were, um, and I could only hear, um, I only understood English and a little, little bit of Spanish. And so I had no idea what was going on through those words. But just to think that God is a God of all languages and all people and all countries, um, just thinking about how he, he understands each of our hearts. And our mindset is so small. Our perspective is so narrow when it comes to our own little bubble and what we understand. But God has a personal connection with people all over the world. And it, it gives you this mindset of how huge God is and how many people he has a relationship with, but also how intimate he can be with each and every person. So that was a really, really cool experience. Um, I, there was a, another teacher that I got to um, be around. Her name was Danya. And um, we would sometimes do the art crafts with the kids. And one of them was drawing out your family members. And uh, so I was having fun with just drawing some stick men on a piece of paper. And when she finishes hers, I look at hers, and I was, like, shocked because it looked like something she was illustrating for a children's book. She had so much talent, and I was just really impressed. I thought that was really cool, and she was a really nice person to be around. So that was just um, a few people that I got to meet of all of the amazing people there. Um, but, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Um, my name's Riley, and this was also my first time getting to go to Bethlehem, and just the whole thing was, yeah, it was an amazing experience, but it really went by super fast, so I wish that we would have had more time there, but um, one of the things that I had that really stood out to me while I was there, it actually wasn't at Bethlehem, it was the day, the night right before we were leaving to get on the plane, we were at this um, it was like a house that they had turned into a place where Christians could like stay like for hope chest and stuff. And we were outside, like we were inside and we heard some stuff going on outside and me, Acacia and Acacia walked out there and it was a group of people and they were singing Christian like worship music in Spanish. And like, of course we couldn't understand it, but it was just, like really beautiful music. It sounded really good. And it's almost like we couldn't understand what they were saying, but you could just feel like the Holy Spirit and it's like presence out there. And it was just really um, powerful and just, I don't know, I just, that just made me really happy. <laughs> but that was just, that was one thing. Um, another thing actually at Bethlehem was I would play soccer with all the 
like middle school, high school boys, and the first like day or two, they all were kind of like, oh, this is a girl trying to play soccer with us, like we'll just have her on the side, maybe she can play goalie for us or something. But um, by the end of the week, they actually like started like incorporating me in the game, and like it, it was like a really fun way to bond with them, because I think they didn't really want to like talk to me as much as they did, they are just like, oh, come play soccer, that's, that's kind of how we're going to bond so yeah by the end of the week I was starting to like really get to know them and play with them and on the last day one of them gave me like this really pretty like little heart that said uh, God bless you and then it had like a little it like opened up and it had a really sweet letter in it I couldn't understand a lot of it but um, I could understand like a little bit of it but that was also a lot of fun getting to sort of bond with them through soccer, I guess. And um, there was this little girl that um, I, me and Keisha got to uh, sort of play with on, the, on Thursday. We went to go do our skit, and she just, I didn't even, like, know her, and she just immediately came up to me and hugged me and wanted to sit on my lap and play Subway Surfers on my phone, and then... Afterwards, she uh, was like having a bunch of fun trying to put mustaches on Keisha and attacking Keisha was like her favorite thing to do. And, um, but yeah, it was that was a lot of fun getting to just sort of like, like connect with her, even though we couldn't really speak with her that well. I mean, we tried, but my Spanish is pretty bad, so um. Yeah, just all the relationships that I got to build throughout the week were really special, and it's sad because at the beginning, you know, it's a little weird because you can't speak to them, and you really, like, want to get to know them, and it just takes about, like, twice as long whenever you are having to translate, and it's just not the same, and so by the end of the week, you know, I was starting to really finally, like, connect and get through that barrier, and I wish I would have had more time to build the relationships more, but you know, it was really special and yeah, it was great. I'm Marcia and it's my fifth time. I actually went there in 2002, so it's my sixth time in the country. And I just fell in love with Guatemala way back when and um, it was the easiest thing ever to wanna go. It was like, you know, I'm signing up that first trip in 2016, and, and it was a super good trip. And every year I've gone since then, better and better and better and better. So this year again, just kind of, you know, reaches a, a new height of what God is doing and, and how he blends a team together and how he connects us deeper and deeper with the people at Bethlehem, that whole relationship building um, it's it's really really good, and I want to encourage all of you. If some of you prayed tremendously and you're supporting a child, or you know your prayers, um, you know, anything that you're you're whenever you're thinking about this community of people in Bethlehem, you know you're you're you were there on the ground too. Um, they they feel very blessed by all that you're doing. And we just got to be the lucky ones that were the, the ambassadors to, you know, kind of represent our whole body of church uh, that we, they, they love us, all of us, so it's, it's neat. And then um, definitely if you, if you plan on going, make sure you arrange it with Kim to go when it's your birthday, because they know how to celebrate there, and <laughs> that was the best, funnest birthday I've ever had. <laughs> I really like that. Yep. Hi, I'm Acacia which got confusing at times with Keisha and Acacia, but it was fun. Um, there was so much that I'm afraid that I'm going to forget what I want to say because there's just a lot of moments, a lot of really good moments. But one thing, looking back, is seeing how God was in the details, like the very little details of things. I have some autoimmune issues, and so I was supposed to go to Guatemala two years ago. I actually tried to go four years ago, and then I tried, I just, I've been trying to go and go and go. But with the autoimmune issues, that trip was a little bit scary, um, knowing how I would feel. But I've been healing, and I've been getting a lot better. And so God's timing, it was frustrating, because I was like, oh, we have to wait two years now to go on this trip with COVID and everything. But then it was, 
better timing for me to have gone when we went. So that was one detail. And then seeing Joel play the drums and the kids loving that, like seeing the skills that people have here and how they were used there was really interesting. Brooke said that she, it makes her, we played a game and I found out things that make you calm. One of her things that makes her calm is brushing hair. And she got to groom a dog with me. So like the details, it's crazy. <laughs> um, and then I would say as far as things that God was doing to work in my heart was Rosita, her love, care, and mercy for the community and the children there. Um, one of the girls that lives there told her story about how she had ran away and then came back to Rosita's home and then ran away a second time and went through some really difficult, scary things. And then she came back to Rosita again and said, I'm, I'm not leaving again. This is where I want to be. I feel your love. I know your love. This is where I need to be. And it just kind of reminded me of the prodigal son and also God's mercy for us, how it's endless. We can keep coming back to him saying, I'm not going to run away again. And he knows we will. <laughs> but every time he's like, come back. This is your home. This is where you are loved and safe. And that was the same for this girl. And so that really impacted me because just Rosita's hospitality and her obedience to the Lord, you got to see the fruit of obedience, and I, uh, that was a word that I had on my heart before we left, was obedience, <laughs> obedience, because I don't think I was being the most obedient, and so that was <laughs> on my heart, and so I got to see the fruit of obedience whenever you say, okay, Lord, like Rosita, she found this place in Guatemala to be her vacation home, and she's using this now as a place of sacrifice. Like she's giving her time and resources and energy, all that she has to the community. Forget vacation home, like oh my goodness. She's doing the exact opposite. So um, she's gonna have a big vacation in heaven for all the things she's done. But uh, so that was the most impactful and just realizing that I need to have that heart of willingness and service because it's always gonna be a good outcome. Like, I just need to stop being lazy and be obedient. Um, and as far as, like, fun things, uh, playing tag with the boys and um, duck, duck, goose, which is called pato, pato, gonzo, pato, pato, gonzo. But if you want to make the kids laugh, you either have really poor Spanish, that's really funny, um, or biff it on the ground a few times, because Riley, <laughs> Riley had some good spills. And then I had one playing tag where I was trying to go the other direction and I just wiped out on the gravel and I turned around and the boys were just cracking up like, ah! But <laughs> it's fun. It's fun to shed your business clothes and be a kid again. So that was They good. also got a good laugh out of you dancing while they shook oh, the maracas. Yeah, yeah, I got a video of vacation <laughs> dancing while the kids were we got, doing the maracas. I got to dance to some maracas to these little kids and... <laughs> They would chase her around. They knew that when they shook the maracas, yeah. she would have to dance. Yeah, they, they would just really go fun. around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of joy. Lots and lots of joy. Um, <clears throat> my name is Brooke, and this is my first time on a mission trip. So it was, I didn't really know what to expect when we, like, when we were going. So the first day, going to the care point, it was just crazy to see all the kids that were there. And I made really good friends with these two little girls named Mirabeth and Astrid. And we would play monkey in the middle or just uh, throw the ball around in like a circle. And they were super fun. But so those are good memories, but also grooming Chester with Acacia. That was super fun. I forgot one thing. Whenever we were um, up on the mountain and we talked about how we were praying in the three different languages and just how finite that made us feel and how grand that made God seem, it made me think that that was just a little speck on the globe. We were just a tiny speck on the globe, but none of us are a speck in God's eyes. And I just think that's a cool thought. <laughs> uh, my name is Matt, and... Um 
This is my first missions trip. Um, uh, for me personally, I don't know if anyone else is like this, but I, I see the ads on TV. I hear the messages in church. I've seen other groups come up here and, um, you know, showing the poverty or uh, the need for missions, the need for humanitarian work. And I'm just like, you know, that's sad and that's good that these people are doing it, but that's not me. And uh, so, like I said, first service, God and Kim decided to play a trick on me. And when Kim was up here talking about the need for plumbing and construction skills, I looked at my wife, I was like, oh no, that's me. <laughs> and uh, needless to say, that's not what we did. We put on VBS and then did kids songs and that also is not me. Uh, so I don't know if Laura's in here, but don't get any ideas. Um, so that was the first of, of many miracles, just for me to actually sign up for this. And secondly, we, you know, we signed up for it, and we didn't know how we were going to pay for it. And my wife's friend goes on missions trip every year, and she saves up for it. And she wasn't going to go this year, so she, she had the exact amount that we needed and offered to pay for us and did so and so that was incredible um and then just uh just on the trip i said first service we were we just we all dealt with sickness but no one missed more than a day which was really incredible because i've heard stories of people missing a lot longer than that and um i know i had motion sickness which by the way the roads there are terrible the drivers there are a nightmare. <laughs> just bring, bring Dramamine if you go. Because I, I drive for a living, and I just had no idea. But, um, but it's very interesting, very enlightening. Um, but like sickness, uh, like one of our, uh, before we were supposed to do the second skit, Joel started to feel sick. And, uh, you know, there was talk that I was going to have to be Joseph in the play. And, I mean, no one can tell the story of Joseph better than Joel. <laughs> and uh, I was like, this cannot happen. So we were an hour out, and Joel was about to pass out in the van. And, um, but miraculously, he felt better. And uh, yeah. so obviously we were able to carry that on. I didn't know. I said first service. I didn't know if Joseph was going to have to like, tell the story, run outside, vomit, go back in. <laughs> and I'm Joseph. And then back up. Like, who knows how this is going to go down? Because that's what would have had to happen. Because yeah. I was not going to play <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to put Matt on the spot. I had to bail him out. But, anyway. um, but yeah, it was. It was really great. Um, I. I mean, just these little kids. I mean, they just steal your heart, and um, just it was really uh, powerful. I would totally sign up and do it again. Um, uh, the, uh, I would just say one of the little girls, this is just a personal story, but I got to teach the kids there how to play American football because none of them knew how to throw a football. And so I brought one and a little, little $5 Franklin football and uh, the kids loved it. But then there was this one little girl who after all the boys left, this one little girl just wanted to continue to throw the football with me. And uh, I, it was such a joy to throw with her. In fact, she was wearing me out. <laughs> and uh, and then at the end of the trip, I got to give her the football, and I mean, she was about in tears, just saying "gracias, gracias, gracias," like just so thankful to receive any little thing, which is, oh, there she is. Um, that was it. Was just really, really cool. Um, I don't. I think that's it. Yeah, it was a great trip, and you know, I I just wanted to share a little. I'm going to share more when I, when I uh, go through my message here, but I wanted you guys to know, you know, we've supported this care point for the past six years or so. We've sent a number of teams. Some of you guys out there have gone in the past, and then there's some of you that were like me, you know, two weeks ago that had never gone, and so you're wondering what it was like, and, and you know, having been there now, I just, I'm hoping that we're beginning to paint a little bit of a picture. I hope that my message here and a little bit of the testimony I have to share sort of helps paint that picture even further. But, but I want you to know that this team and your outreach down there through the years has had a profound impact down there. That I was, I was so proud of our body, 
uh, those that couldn't attend, but also those that did, just to see us, you know, come together, you know, hand in hand, going down there, uh, carrying the gospel, carrying the, the, the Lord's word down to these people, um, and really just sort of meeting them where they are, you know, in life. Uh, it, it was just a neat thing to see us, you know, go outside of these walls, outside of our country, in a sense, outside of our normal comfort zone, uh, and go into a country like Guatemala, which, we, as we had dinner with one of the individuals the last night, is like it's a, it can be a pretty dangerous country in certain ways. But to see the Lord protect us and go down there and use us, uh, and see you guys that have gone in the past and those that haven't gone, but just support folks down there and pray for those folks down there and children, the Lord is working. So I just, you know, want to say again how proud I was of this team and to be a part of it. It was the first time for me to go. It was the first time for virtually everybody other than Kim and Marcia. So it was an eye-opener. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. But anyway, let's give a, a round of applause for the Guatemalan team. So Kim sort of alluded to this um, when she was talking about a little bit of what the prep work looked like going into that trip. Um, but the reality is we put a lot of time. We, we met for about eight weeks, uh, meeting every, every week. Sometimes we'd even have to we'd meet twice a week. Uh, and we would go through things to get, you know, get our, our focus, try to get spiritually prepared, uh, physically to sort of think through what are we going to encounter uh, just, just different things to prepare ourselves. And one of the things that, that Kim uh, asked us as we were preparing was, what are, what are the goals that you would like to see out of this trip? What are things you would like to ask the Lord to do on this trip? Uh, for me, I was taking my daughter, Riley, who, who shared a second ago. Uh, she's 15. She's never been out of the United States I know Matt, you know, wanting to take Brooke, and it was a neat opportunity to take these, these young gals down there and let them sort of have a, open up their perspectives a little, get out of the United States, the things they've always seen, the things they've always grown up in, and sort of develop a little different perspective. Um, and so I was praying for that, uh, for her. Me, on the other hand, I was looking to, you know, see firsthand what this Bethlehem care point was really like. I have just like many of you had sat there in these chairs, heard about it, and I was like, I want to go down there and see this place. I want to meet these people. I want to meet Rosita and the other leaders. Uh, I've heard about it for years. I want to learn more and see what the Lord's doing. Um, and so that was sort of what, you know, where I was heading. But the Lord did something beyond just what I was asking, as he normally does. He does things a little bit beyond what we normally ask or think. And instead of only Riley gaining this new perspective, the Lord made a pretty big impact on my perspectives as well. And so I want to share with you about that today. Now, I, just so you know, I've, I've been outside our country, you know, multiple occasions, for, mainly for work, uh, various parts of Asia, uh, Taiwan, Malaysia, Singapore, China, um, places of this nature, India, South America, a little bit in Europe. Um, and it's not uncommon for me when I go to these other nations and other cultures, my eyes and my perspectives usually pretty rapidly home in on things that I just catch on to about that culture that I think are vastly different than ours. And it's funny when you step back and think about what do, what do when I think of myself, what do I sort of latch on to? One thing that I latch on to are like the cars. The minute I get out of the airport, I'm walking down there, I'm like, what are these people driving, you know? And I'm starting to take photos. Of, they don't sell that in the United States. I haven't seen that car for 40 years, and it's still running. And you're seeing things, and you're seeing tuk-tuks, and you're seeing all these things, and, and you're catching models that they don't make here and whatnot, and you're latching onto that. And then, of course, the next thing you notice about the vehicles is, you start, as Matt mentioned, how do these people drive all of, a, all of a sudden becomes a pretty critical issue. I've been in places where you're not even sure you're going to survive. And we had a few instances like that on the trip. We're like, 
were you awake while that happened? Because I'm not sure. We barely cut that. You know, they, they pass, they honk, they're flying around. It's just every culture is a little different. So how they drive and whether you'll even survive the trip sometimes becomes a focal point. And then also you see things like how many people can one family fit onto a small Honda scooter? That also becomes an interesting challenge. You know, you see people, families of four and five people hanging on an infant, little toddler, standing in the little midsection. You're like, this is crazy. They're fitting people in our tuk-tuks just loaded up with people. So those are some of the things I begin to latch on. I'm also an electrical engineer, so I started latching on to other things. I'm looking around saying, it's awfully interesting, their utility, you know, lines and their power grid. And I'm seeing, uh, you know, photos. I, I have a photo, but I guess it's not working. I'm looking at power lines that have thousands of cables go running in and out of them. And you're like, how in the world are they making any sense of this? And how is the pole even able to stay upright? Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm catching on to that. And, and then I'll start noticing differences in their commerce and their retail activities. You know, we had uh, one, on our way up traveling north, you go to the next slide. You know, we in the United States, if we're on a big road trip, we just stop at a, you know, a quick trip or whatever in 7-Eleven, wherever it happens to be, to get out and get ourselves a snack. But down there, I mean, we had to pause for a second. All of a sudden, here comes people walking in between the cars, things balanced perfectly on their heads, cruising along, offering drinks, and there was like car side service right there. Uh, the other thing is, is that we had another funny story over here on the right. Now, if you were in the United States and you, for whatever reason, were on a business trip, you know, we, and you found that you, for whatever reason, you needed a universal remote control, you'd probably say, well, over lunch, I'm going to run down to the Best Buy, you know, see if they've got a universal remote, maybe a Walmart, you know, one of these big box retailers. Well, we needed a universal remote control one day. It's a long story, but we stopped in the middle of this you know, street. Our Hope Chest guide goes into this store, and I lean over to Matt. I was like, is he going to find a universal remote in that little place <laughs> with, like, toys and stuffed animals and soccer balls hanging in the thing? And so he's in there for a while, and sure enough, he comes out got my universal remote, and it worked perfectly. I was like, this is crazy. I mean, we, I mean, who would have known that this little tiny hole in the wall place would have this? I mean, you got, and you go to cultures, they've got street vendors and open markets, and you start catching on to that. And then, of course, you're focused, obviously, at some point, you got to focus on what am I going to be eating here? So you're looking at the foods. Should I eat that? Or maybe I need to pass on that. That's usually things you're going, th going through your mind. Then you start taking notice of the bathrooms. Is that, that doesn't look too good. Maybe I should opt for a different one. Anyway, those are the things that are normally in your perspective. But, and they're all interesting things when you travel to different cultures. But on this trip, the Lord sort of opened my eyes to something a little bit different, a little bit more of a spiritual viewpoint. And so I hope today, this morning, I can allow you to see what he did for me. And I hope this, this you know, will impact you guys and maybe challenge us here as we seek to have a perspective that aligns with his. You know, God cares about our perspectives, our viewpoints, uh, and I believe because what we see and what we perceive directly relates to what is in our hearts. Uh, both the Apostle Paul and Christ Jesus quoted a critical section from Isaiah 6. The Apostle Paul did it in, at the end of Acts when it was almost his farewell remarks to the Jews there in Rome when he got there. And Christ did it in Matthew 13 when they were asking him, why are you teaching in these parables? And, and I'm going to read the excerpt that Paul quoted. It's an identical quote in both Matthew 13 and Acts 28. But Paul said, he, he quotes this, he says in 28, 26, Go to this people and say, you will keep on hearing but will not understand. You will keep on seeing but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. And with their ears they can scarcely hear. And they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. 
Now notice in this, in like verse 27, I've put it up here to try to give a little graphic to show you an illustration that the Lord uses. It starts out in 27 and you see the movement of the people away from the Lord. First, he starts out, for the heart of this people has become dull. Then the Lord describes their ears. He says their ears, they can scarcely hear. And then he moves to the next layer and says, and then their eyes, their eyes are blinded, they're closed. And then he goes the other direction and says, otherwise. And he's going to go back in the reverse order that they might see with their eyes, starting out with their eyes, and then hear with their ears, and then then it makes it to the heart and understand with their heart, and they would return, and I would heal them. And so you see a direct tie between what we perceive, hear, and see with our eyes to what we have in our hearts, a direct connection. The proverb says in 4.13, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Our hearts, the core foundational beliefs, our innermost being. What is in your heart? What is in there will change how you perceive and hear things around you. I'll give a quick example of this. I'm going to put an image up on the screen here of a rainbow. Now, you may immediately recall what this symbol is, who created it, and why it is an important thing. Namely, that God promised to never flood the earth again. This is a massive promise, if you were to read it, to all the creatures on heaven, uh, sorry, on the earth, and this planet. And yet, others may look at this symbol, and they may have a radically different view. They may immediately call to mind a powerful movement that is happening within our culture, the LGBTQ belief system that is moving as a wave across this land. So why such radical views when you just show an image? Because there's differences in what people believe in their hearts. And what you value in your hearts changes how you perceive things around you. God wants us to have his perspectives, his ears, and ultimately a heart like he has. Just like David sought to pursue to be a man after God's own heart. But many times the Lord has to take us through things to get us aligned with his perspective. Sometimes it can't, it's not always easy. But I believe God has a history, a, a track record of changing people's perspectives, improving their perspectives, giving them new perspectives that they would have never obtained without him moving and his direct hand involved. Consider one of the oldest books in the biblical canon describing the man Job, a man whose perspectives underwent a radical shift as he went from having everything to then having nothing. And mankind through the whole thing trying to give a logical perspective as to why these things are. But then God finally accomplishing his will in Job's life, aligning Job's perspective not on man's, but on the right Viewpoint that God wanted when Job responds at the end of the book. In 42.1, Job answers the Lord after the Lord has spoken to him out of the whirlwind. And he says, Job says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Question mark. That was a statement God made about him. So he's saying, who is this who hides question without knowledge? Talking about me. Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear now, Lord, and I will speak, and I will ask you, instruct me, Lord. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. Job had gleaned the viewpoint where the Lord wanted him to be, to see the magnificence and the sovereignty of all-powerful God. 
Consider what God did with Isaiah in chapter 6. Remember, he allowed him to see God on the throne and Isaiah was struck by the holiness of God and all of a sudden he saw a perspective of his own sinfulness. He says, woe is me. I am of unclean lips and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. He saw God in a new light and he saw his own sin in a new light. Consider Nebuchadnezzar. I don't have time to read the whole passage that I was planning to, but in chapter 4 of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar writes a letter and he sends it to all the inhabitants on the, on the face of the earth and he says, to people of all tribes, nations, and tongues, I'm sending you to this letter to tell you what God did in my life. And what it was, was a massive perspective shift. You remember the story, he says, I was out looking over my great empire, reveling in all the things that I had built, this massive empire, Babylon, when the Lord then took me and cast me out, and I became like an animal for several years, and, I, and then the Lord brought me back, remember, and he, he has this whole new perspective about the Almighty, and he writes to people, and he wants people to hear it, he wants people to know that God shifted his perspective. You, then you look at something like Saul of Tarsus. God blinds him in the eyes, speaks to him in the ears, gives him a whole new direction in his life. And then, and only then, do the scales fall off. And he says, now get up and go. And he, go to these people. So the Lord is in the business of perspective shifting. And now let me go back to the Guatemala trip and tell you my story the perspective shift that God did for me two weeks ago or a week before last. I have to start with a, a slight bit of background. I grew up in a God-fearing Christian home. It was a great environment to grow up in. I'm super thankful for it. I've been involved in Christian churches with solid biblical teaching the majority of my life. Uh, and throughout the years, I would see individuals come before the church and they would do an interview, whether it's here or other churches, and they would talk about, I'm going on a missions trip. Please pray for me. Please offer your help and support. I'm going to Romania or a trip maybe to Scotland, maybe a place in some various place in Europe. And maybe I've heard of someone saying, I'm going to South America or Central America like we went to, or I'm going to Africa. I remember that once in a church we attended in Durango. And and if I'm totally honest, this is where I just have to sort of lay it all out there to understand the perspective shift that God did for me. I have to tell you what a lot of times is going through my mind as I sat right where you guys are sitting now. Many times I'm wondering, is this just a way for them to have a fun trip to Europe? Is this them just wanting to get away to, to go see... Central America or South America, it'd be awfully fun to go down to Brazil and hang out with, in Rio. <laughs> I mean, those are the thoughts that are going through my mind. And, and, and if you're like me, sometimes I even went a little further, be a little bit somewhat analytical and critical. Thoughts would go through my mind, will the gospel really go out in this trip? Will Christ and his kingdom really be preached or is this just a humanitarian aid type of trip? Is God really at work through this? Or is this just a pursuit of man to feel good about themselves and to help the poor? And will God's word really be a focal point? And I say that as a confession before you because you can probably tell some of those attitudes, while some of those things may be some good questions at times, like, we hope that missions are Christ-focused, gospel-focused, but you can also sense a little bit of, there's something there, Joel, that I think might need a little recalibrating. And that's where last week came in. He began to work on me, and it began day number one. I was praying for Riley to have a perspective shift. The Lord says, I'm going to give you a perspective shift. So day number one, boots on the ground, Guatemala, we go to the care point. We do the skit of Joseph. That was cool. That was awesome. But what really challenged me that day, we went to, made a house visit. Kim mentioned some of these house visits. You saw some photos. We would go, we would meet various individuals, children that we had sponsors, the different people that went on the trip. The first day, first house up, guess whose house we went to visit? 
one of the Butler-sponsored kids. I'm like, okay, this is going to be fun. I get to meet one of the children that we've, you know, supported and prayed for. I've never met her. So we go into the house, and at first, it's just like all the other house visits in general. We introduce ourselves. We go around. We sort of tell tell them about who we are, where we're from, what we like to do. We find out a little bit about them, uh, and, it, and it was great. It was just time, and we give them some gifts, uh, and we try to encourage them. Small Guatemala, you know, Guatemalan house, tin roof over the head, you know, a kitchen back in the back just with a little fire burning, well, no ventilation, which created other havoc and problems later we would get I mean, these people they, they, they don't have they don't have any sort of chimneys so they just burn stuff inside and like well where's all the smoke gonna go when you're burning all this fire but anyway they're inside here and they're, they're living in this this and you're looking at it and you're trying to come alongside seeing the way they live with limited things and limited amenities but after about 15 to 20 minutes the majority of the team from, from CCC, decides they're going to move on down the road to the next house visit. And they said, Joel, Riley, you guys can stay here with Monica. Monica was one year younger than Riley, so they were sort of hit it off talking about, you know, things right off the bat. After that team left, they left one translator with us. So they're talking about everything, you know, just life in general, activities, school, sports. Uh, and then I begin to notice, you know, some people beginning to develop out on the, the front porch. You know, over there I've noticed out in the middle of the jungle, it's just an open door policy. Doors are open. There's town folk just meandering by. Sometimes conversations are struck up and there they, there they go. Anyway, there's this group of people that are beginning to develop. I'm starting to wonder. They're sort of peeking in the window and and I thought, man, I hope we're not interrupting something here that Monica had, you know, going on. So I asked the translator, I said, I said, um, ask Monica if, if, if we're interrupting something. Uh, and so Monica then re responded and said, oh, yeah, this is, actually, you are interrupting something. <laughs> and so I was like, well, and I said, what, what, what is, she said, well, this is a church, my local church group of Bible study. Uh, and so I, she said, I'm a part of it. And I said, well, well bring them on in. Bring them on in. And so they, they, they come on in. They, they sort of single file come in. And, and I thought, wow, this is, this is great. You know, here they're, they're a Bible study in the middle of the jungles of Guatemala. I mean, you know me. I'm like, this is awesome. I love studying the Bible. Let's, let's get into it. But, but it, it gets even better. I was like, this is incredible. So I, I, I talked to him. I said, well, I said, this is, I, there was one guy that was sort of the lead guy, the guy right there in the middle with the Converse sweatshirt. And I turned to the trans, I said, I said, tell him, you know, this is fantastic. Tell him that, that I like to study the Bible too. And our church loves to study the Bible back home. And we have Bible studies and we meet, you know, off and on to study the word. And, and so I said, tell him this. So we sort of, we're, we're, we give him a pat on the back. We're, we're right on, right in alignment. And so she speaks Spanish, and he smiles, and big, he gives a big nod, and, and you could sort of sense that we maybe have a connection starting to, it sort of transcended just the language barrier. Uh, so I, I said to the translator, I said, well, ask him, I said, ask him how often they meet. I said, I, I it was a, remember, it was the first day on the ground, it was a Sunday. I'm thinking, oh, this is a Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, sort of like a CCC life group. You know, we meet every two weeks, and thought maybe this is just a Sunday afternoon thing. So I said, ask them how often they meet. So they, they communicate. He quickly responds. The translator turns to me and says, they meet every day. And I was like, wow, <laughs> this is getting better at every turn. I was like, this is even more. Mate. We're in the jungles of Guatemala. They're meeting every day to study the word. He, he tells tell me that they go house to house to encourage come alongside those that are in need. I, I decided to dive a little deeper. I was like, so ask them, ask them a little bit about what they're studying. I'd like to know what they're studying. So she speaks in Spanish, and then he has a big smile, and, and, and I could translate this, and he goes, Proverbios. And I said, I think I know which book of the Bible that is. So I was like, yeah, Proverbs. That's a great book. That's a book of incredible wisdom. Um, and so I said, 
he, he, he did start saying some things, and I'm waiting for the translator to, 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 to tell us what he's saying. And he, she turns to me and says, well, she, he says they, they study the Bible, and then they compete with another local church. And I was like, what was that now? I was like, what, what sort of competition? You got I mean, we're out in the middle of nowhere here. <laughs> like, what sort of competition are, are, do we have going on? So I'm thinking, I'm in the jungle of Guatemala. I'm in a small mountain village that has little to no wealth, many people living in poverty. And I'm hearing about a young man and this vibrant group of teenagers that gathers every day to read God's word and somehow compete. And, I, and so I wanted to dive into that. I'm like, I, I had to find out a little bit more. So I said, well, what, what do they mean by compete? He says, well, we, we memorize scripture. And then we have, a, we have a, we compete with the other. Just like, yeah, we got some folks here that have memorized and done some Bible competitions in their day. So that's what they're doing. I said, oh, okay, that's really cool. Now we're like taking it even deeper. I said, well, what sort of, you got to ask him, because I'd like to know, is it, is it like memorize a verse or two? Or is this maybe a chapter? Ask him what all they memorize. So she talks to me, and she looks back at me and said, Joel, they memorize whole books of the Bible. He said that last year they memorized the book of John. And, or sorry, James, James was last year. Said, James, last year they did the book of James. The year before that, they did the book of Romans. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. Now I'm like, this is, this is crazy. You know, I'm, I'm out here... All these years of question, is God's word really going out? Is God's word, is it really being preached? Or is it having impact? And it was as if the Lord said, Joel, you've always wondered about whether I'm at work down here on these mission trips that you were wondering if they're humanitarian and aid. That's it. You always wondered whether the gospel was going out, whether people really wanted to hear my word. And he was saying, Behold what I'm doing. And then it even went a little further. Joel, how often do you meet with your Bible study? How often are you memorizing whole books of the Bible like Romans? He got, he was a pretty, he got a pretty good jab in there, the Lord did. <laughs> yeah, sort of moved it and cut it around a little bit. And I'm feeling, okay, I, I get the picture. All these years. And he said, you never would have known. You had to come and see and I had to give you a change in your perspective. I sat there with a smile on my face with this guy in this exact group. They're all there with their Bibles. And I'm thinking, this is incredible. I have to say something to encourage this group. I've never considered myself some sort of gifted encourager. But I was like, Lord, help me to have something to say. I just felt that I needed to do something. I said, tell them this. Tell them that the Bible says that a man's works will be tested by fire. And the one who builds in the spiritual realm on the foundation of Christ will gain rewards and will store up treasures in heaven. And I said, you've been doing that. You've been doing that. And he looked at me. He said some things and she translated back. We have no money. We have nothing to give God. So this is our gift to him. Helping one another. Encouraging those in need. And studying and memorizing his word together. And my friends, this was a huge eye opener for me to sit there. In this place that has nothing. And see people on fire for the word of God. And all these years and I, that I had this certain per perception to see the Lord just blotted away like that. And based on my 15 or 20 minute conversation, I would say these guys were incredibly rich. The world may say they were poor, but they were incredibly rich. Much like in the, in the letters in Revelation, when we see John writing as moved by the Spirit, Christ himself speaking to his church, writing these seven letters that I believe are Seven, because it represents the church as the whole, dealing with aspects and attributes that will be both good and bad things to warn the church about through the ages. Two that stood out as I was thinking about this 
testimonial story here about what I got to glean in Guatemala. One was the letter to Smyrna in Revelation 2. The Lord says to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, the first and the last who was dead and has come to life says this, I know your tribulation. I know your poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested. And you will have tribulation for ten days, but be fruitful until death. Sorry, faithful until death. And I will give to you the crown of life. Notice here the two perspectives that he's given. On one hand, this church was known for their poverty. And the Lord says, I know the poverty situation. In the world's eyes, they were poor. But in God's view, he pauses. And he lets them know, you, but you are in actuality incredibly rich. And thus, this church, unlike five of the other seven letters, receives absolutely no negative rebuke, no correction. It was a church that was familiar with tribulation, with trial and testing, a church that was blasphemed, a church that would face testing by the devil, yet it was a church that the Lord was keenly familiar with, and he was close to, and he was proud to offer the crown of life. You contrast that to the seventh and final church that the Lord spoke to in the Laodicean church, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write this, Christ says, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich. And white garments so that you may clothe yourself. And that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you can actually really see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Notice the two perspectives given. Their viewpoint, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. But in God, God's eyes, they are wretched and miserable and they are poor. They are blind and they are naked. This was the Laodicean church, a church known in the world's eyes as, as having great wealth incredible wealth. In fact, one commentary said it's one of the, it was considered one of the wealthiest cities in the world. Yet in God's eyes, they were incredibly poor. Thus, they are the only church of the seven to receive no commendation from the Lord. Only stern warnings, rebuke, and a call to change your mind. Repent. They were known for being a city of ISAB and medicine and yet the Lord says, you need to look and buy something different from me. The Lord takes on all of the things that they struggled with. You trust in your bank account. You need to buy from me the real spiritual gold, refined gold and silver. You know a lot about great fabric and you have a lot of great clothing. But you need to buy from me the white garments, the purity and spiritual garments. You're known for your health care and your eye salve production. They think you can see, but you need to buy from me the spiritual eye salve so you can see the reality. And then ultimately, the Lord shows himself standing on the outside of the church. This is a letter to the church. I'm on the outside knocking. Let me in. Open the door if you're willing to let me in. That's a letter. This is what he's getting across to him. 
And my friends, the Lord is wanting to move perspectives. He likes that perspective in Smyrna that they are knowing that they're impoverished, but they're trusting in the Lord. Versus the Laodiceans looking, we don't need anything. Where the Lord says, you need a radical perspective shift. He wants our eyes to look to him, to have the zeal and the fire for him. Else our eyes grow dim, our hearts grow heavy and dull. And when that happens, the individuals become lukewarm regarding things of God's kingdom. In closing, there's one last guy I wanted to tell you about that I met. He lives right there at the Bethlehem Care Point because he's an orphan. He's a teenage boy, young man, gets up every day. I saw him taking care of the, the pigs and the goats. He was a disciplined worker. But it was more than just that. He, he and I started talking about things. He came up to me one day, Hoel, Hoel, I like the skit of Jose. I like the, the skit of Jose. So I asked him, I said, well, what do you like the best about the skit of Jose? What in that story do you like? And he said, I like the part where God lifts him up to be a governor and a leader over all Egypt. And I said, that, that was an incredible hour in that story. And I sensed that this young man knew his Bible I sense like the other earlier in the week that there's more here than meets the eye going on. This guy knew his Bible. Well, the next day he came up to me, Hoel, Hoel, do you play any other instruments other than the drums? I said, no, actually, I just, I can't do anything other than the drums. That's all I can do. And so I said, do you play any instruments, Elias? And he said, yes, he goes, I play the guitar. Of course, he has no guitar because he has no money to have a guitar. But when they once in a while get everyone that comes through, he told me he gets to try to practice and do a little playing on it. But based on the previous day's conversation, I decided to go one level deeper with it. I said, do you know in the scriptures, there was a very famous individual that was one of the most famous guitarists in the whole Bible. Do you know who that is? And he smiled, David, David. And I was like, yeah, he was the great psalmist of Israel. He knew how to play that harp and his stringed instrument, and, and he knew it. And I said, I said, I love the story of David. I said, do you like the story of David? He smiled, big, big smile. I said, what do you like the best in the story of David? When he kills the giant. And I said, I said, that's a story for the ages. That is an incredible story that all the peoples of the earth should know. I said, when I go back to my land, even people that don't know the Bible, don't even believe in the word, they do know that story. Just like David said of Elias, remember what he said? We were having this conversation. He said that the whole earth would know that there's a God in Israel. You know, my country where I'm from, I'm telling him, I'm saying, we'll have big sports events, Super Bowls, and World Series, and every once in a while, it'll be a huge underdog. And in our culture, they'll call it a David versus Goliath. I said, this is a story that the people should know. And I said, I'm, I'm glad that you know it. He also wrote, like we did to write, wrote a letter to me when I left and said, I hope your days on the earth are long. I said, Elias, we'll be praying for you at our church. We'll be praying that you have good length of days on this earth and the Lord may bless you. And the Lord will cause his face to shine upon you. And he'll lift up his countenance upon you. And you'll walk in peace. My perspectives needed a little bit of recalibrating. There's people on the ground in Guatemala that know the Lord's word. His word is going out. It's changing lives. People like Elias... People that I, that Bible said, I didn't even know all their names. Probably meeting today, this afternoon, to encourage one another. I pray that we would be like David and say, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing, pleasing to you, O Lord. And as Paul prayed for the folks in, in Ephesus, I pray that the eyes of our hearts right here in Christ Community Church would be opened, that we would have his perspectives, that we would know the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? Let's pray, Lord.
we thank you that we can be a part of what you're doing around the globe and also right here in Springfield, Missouri. Lord, may we never doubt and look with a critical eye on your handiwork, but may we just have open eyes to hear and to see what you're doing. May we be invigorated and lit on fire, Lord, to, to go out with zeal, to not be lukewarm and have dull ears and dim eyes, but may we have the opposite of that. May, may we see with our eyes like Job saw. May we, we perceive your greatness in the, as our hearts as they open up and see you for all your awesomeness, that we would take it all in and go out and be your ambassadors to those on this planet. May you bless these people here at Christ Community for their work in this, this area around and the community around us and amongst ourselves that we would encourage one another in your word. May you strengthen us, encourage us, guide us as we walk forth from here today. We ask these things in Jesus' great and awesome name. Amen.